This is Daf Yud Gimel in Masechet Megillah. We are on Daf Yud Bet Amud Bet, eight lines from the bottom, last word of the line. The Gemara here continues to analyze each and every phrase in the Megillah, Megillah Tester. Ish Yehudi Ayab Shushan there was a Jewish man, or Ish Yehudi, in Shushan, the capital. This is introducing Mordechai, Ish Yemini. And then at the end it says he was Ish Yemini. So it says, My Kamar. So normally, Ish Yehudi would, ref- would mean a person who was from the tribe of Yehuda, and Ish Yemini would mean a person who was from the tribe of Binyamin. So My Kamar, Ili Kate. If the purpose of this statement is to tell us his family lineage, the Achazev Azilad Binyamin, why doesn't it go all the way back to Binyamin? It gives us several names. It says that Ish Yehudi Ayab Shushan that there was this Ish Yehudi, and then it goes on to say, Ushmo Mordechai, his name is Mordechai ben Yair ben Shimi ben Kish Ish Yemini. Why doesn't it go all the way back to Binyamin if it's trying to tell us that he's a man of Binyamin? What's the reason for these names? It's the, the rabbis taught, they were all really names of Mordechai. Ben Yair ben Shair a name of Yisrael betfilato. Why is he called Ben Yair? Because he's a son, he's a person who lit, who lit up the eyes of the Jewish people with his prayer. Ben Shim'i, what does it mean he was the son of Shim'i? Ben, a son, shishama el tefilato, that Hashem listened to his prayer. Ben Kish, what does it mean he was the son of Kish? Kish al That he was, he banged on the doors of uh, mercy and they were open for him. So these are all terms that actually referred to Mordechai and his personality and what he did in his lifetime. So Karele Yehudi, it calls him Yehudi, Alma Yehudi Kate, that implies that he came from Shevet Yehuda, but Karele Yemini, it calls him Yemini, Alma Binyamin Kate, which implies that he comes from Binyamin. Amar Rav Nachman, Mordechai, Mukhtar Benimusoya. Rav Nachman says that Mordechai was crowned with beautiful names, with wonderful names that were illustrious names. Amar Rav Abachana, Amar Rav Yehoshua Ben Levi, Aviv mi Binyamin, Vimom Yehuda. Now normally we go after the father's the father's lineage for Shvatim, for the tribe. But here, since his father was from, really from, uh, from Binyamin, he should have been considered a Yishimini, but since his mother was from Yehuda, he was also credited as Ish Yehudi because that gave him an illustrious title because Yehuda was the tribe of kingship. The families fought with each other over, over the lineage of uh, Mordechai. The family of Yehuda said, Even though Mordechai was actually from Binyamin, it's my family that enabled them to be born. Why? Because because actually Mordechai was a descendant of Shim'i ben Gera that David almost killed, executed, and since he didn't kill him, therefore... Uh, therefore, uh, Mordechai was able to be born. And the family of Binyamin said, He actually comes from us, so we get credit for him. So that's why it was called Ish Yehudi and Ish Yemini. The Jewish people said the other way. They didn't want to take credit for, bin, for Mordechai. They wanted to get it away from them. Meaning, Look at what this Yehudi did and what this Yemini did to me. What does it mean? Masa le Yehudi. What did this Yehudi do? Lakat le David Shimi. The iti lead me name Mordechai. The mikne be aman that they would complain and say, "Look at what this person from Yehudi, what this what this person from Shevet Yehuda did. That David didn't kill Shimi. So now we have Mordechai who goes and makes Haman jealous and angry. Omar shelim le Yemini. And look at what this Yemini did. This Benjaminite did. The lakat le Shaul lagag that because bin, because someone from Shevet Benjamin Shaul Melech did not kill a gag from Amalek. Because the reality was that Haman was a descendant of Agag that Shaul refrained from killing. 
had Shaul completed the mitzvah of destroying Amalek, we never would have had a Haman, and we never would have had the whole crisis of Purim. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, the Olam Binyamin, got that really... Mordechai was from Shevet Benjamin. Why is he called a Yehudi? Because he rejected idolatry. Anybody who rejects Avodah Zorah, Nikah Yehudi, is called Yehudi. He dichtiv, as it says in the Pasuk, in Pasuk in Daniel, Itai Guvrin Yehudain, with me were Jewish men, Yehudain, and it, and it goes on to say that they don't worship the gods of uh, the Bavlim. They worship only Hashem. They don't worship the gods of the Bavlim, showing you that because they reject Idolatry, they're called Yehudim, and since Mordechai rejected idolatry, he's called Yehudim. Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, when Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi would study and would teach the book of Divrei Yamim, Amar all of your words are one, and we know how to analyze them. In other words, there are multiple names given to a single individual in Divrei Yamim. It seems like these people are different individuals, but they're actually all one person. It says his wife, Hayudia. Yalda, she had et yered avi gedor v'et chever avi socho v'et yikutiel avi zanoach. Now it sounds like these are all different people. Yered, the father of gedor, chever, the father of socho, yikutiel, the father of zanoach. And then it says, ve'elu b'nei, in the end of the pasuk is, ve'elu b'nei bitya bat paro. These are the children of bitya, the daughter of paro, that married, married. So the question is, uh, first of all, in the beginning, in Divrei Yamim, it says that this is actually the wife of Kalev, not the wife of Merid. And also in the beginning of the Pasuk it says she was called Yehudiyah, but at the end it says that the mother was called Bityah. So which one is it? So it says, no, the answer is, Amai Karela Yehudiyah. Why is she called Yehudiyah in the beginning of the Pasuk and Bityah at the end? Because she rejected idolatry. Because we learned in the Pasuk, this is just in this week's parasha, last week's parasha, that Bat Paro went to bathe on the uh, river she went to cleanse herself from idolatry and to become uh, faithful to God. Um, and, uh, and, and therefore she was called Yehudia. Yalida, it says that she had all these children, but she didn't really give birth to a child. She raised Moshe Rabbeinu. Anybody who raises, is the teacher, that anybody who raises an orphan in their house, treats them as if they gave birth to that orphan, that individual. So since Bitya, since Bat Paro raised Moshe, she's considered to be like his mother. Now the thing is that all of these terms, all of these Yered, Avi Gedor, Chever, Avi Socho, Yikutiel, Avi Zanoch, these are all considered to be code words for Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the Dorasha, that it looks like many people, but really we know they're all one. That was what, uh, what uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi said in the beginning. So Yered is Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is he called Moshe Why is he called Yered? Velam Dikashmo Yered. Our Gemara says, Shiradem Yisrael Man Biyamav. That in his days, Man came down for the Jewish people, and we know that that was in the Zechut of Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, the, the Gra has a different uh, text that it says that, that uh, he brought down the Torah to the Jewish people, so he's called Yered. In any case, Gedor, why is he called Avi Gedor? He closed the breaches of Israel. In other words, he fixed things, he, he repaired things, he improved things for the Jewish people. Um, uh, and uh, and, and put, got them into shape. He's called Chever because he connected the Jewish people to their father in heaven. He was for the Jewish people like a sukkah, like a protection because of his merit. Why is he called? Because the Jewish people hoped to God and trusted in God during his days. And because he caused the sins of the Jewish people to be forgotten and forgiven, therefore he called Avi Zanoach. So all of these um, terms in the Pasuk are references to Moshe Rabbeinu according to this Rasha. Avi, Avi, Avi. Why does it say Avi three times? It says, 
Avi Gedor, Avi Socho, Avi Zanoach, because Av Batorah, he was the father in Torah, Av Bechuchma, the father in wisdom, Av Bin Viut, and also the father in terms of being a prophet. And these are, these are the sons of Bitya that Mered took. Vechi Mered Shemo was really the name of her husband Mered, Valo Kalev Shemo, his name was Kalev. Amar Kadosh Bochu, Yavo Kalev Shemaratat Margim, Kalev. Who rebelled against the advice of the Marglim. In other words, he was independent and he went against all the Marglim. He should come and he should marry the daughter of Paro, who rebelled against the idolatry of her father. In other words, they were both independent spirits that operated on their own and therefore they were a match made in heaven. It says that Mordechai was exiled from Jerusalem. He exiled himself because it says that he was exiled with the Golim, with the exile that left Jerusalem, meaning that he chose to go with them even though he had the opportunity to stay in Eretz Israel. He chose to go with the Jewish people and be a leader to them. He took care of Esther. She had two names, Hadassah and Esther. Which one was it? Tanya, it says, Her real name was Esther. Why was she called Hadassah? Because since righteous people are called Hadassim, She's called the Hadassah. He was standing among the Hadassim. And that's talking about among the Tzaddikim. That the, the divine presence is among the Tzaddikim in Bavel. It says you're standing among the Hadassim. No, actually her real name was Hadassah. Not there, it's not that her real name was Esther and her code name was Hadassah. It's that her real name was Hadassah and her code name was Esther. Why was her name called Esther? Because she was hiding her true Nature. She never in Esther because it says she didn't tell her nationality. No, really, her name was Esther. Right? Why was she called Esther? Because they would call her by the name of the moon. Um, they called that she looked. She she shone like the light of the moon, and that's why she was called Esther. But uh, really, her name was Hadassah. Her true given name, according to that, was uh, was Hadassah. Um, even though she was as beautiful as the moon. Ben Azai Omer, Esther, lo arukav lo ktsara. Esther was not tall and not short. Haita ela benonit kadasa. She, her, so according to this, it sounds like her real name was Esther, but she was called Hadasa because she was neither tall, tall nor short. She was just medium height, like a Hadasa, like a, the plant of the, uh, uh, of the Hadasa. She had a greenish complexion, and it was only because divine in, divine intervention that was extended for her that she looked beautiful in the eyes of the people. Otherwise, she would look kind of greenish and sickly, and that's why she was called that because she had a greenish complexion. She had no father and no mother. And with the death of her father and mother, Mordechai took her as a daughter. Why does it say Why doesn't it just say she had no father and no mother and Mordechai adopted her? When her mother became pregnant, her father died. When she was born, then when, when her mom had her, then the mother died. In other words, she never lived to see, from the moment of conception, her father died. So she And from the moment of birth, her mother died. So neither her mother or father were ever there for her lifetime. It says that Mordechai took her as a daughter. And the pshat of it is, of course, that he adopted her as a daughter. But it says, The rabbis taught in the name of Rabbi Meir, don't really read it as daughter, rather as house, meaning wife. This is the mashal, the parable that Natana Navi confronts David Melech after his sin with Bathsheba when he criticizes him for when he could have had any woman in the world. He goes and he takes the one guy's wife that, uh, you know, the poor guy's wife. It's like going to the poor guy who has only one sheep where the rich guy goes to the poor guy who has only one sheep and takes the, and when he has guests, decides to go take the one sheep of the poor guy and slaughter it when he has all the sheep in the world of his own. 
Um, so so too, you're, so it says that they, uh, that this poor guy had just one sheep that slept with him in the bed. That it's, it says in the pasuk that he had this one sheep and uh, it grew up with him and uh, and his kids. It ate from his food. It drank from his cup. And it slept in his uh, on his chest. And it was like a daughter. What do you mean, like a daughter? So it says, Mishum de avat lekevat, or livat, right? Why is she like, it says in our text, livat, but it should be kivat probably, right? Well, how could you say that because the sheep sleeps on his chest, it's like a daughter? That's not what a daughter does. Ella levait, levait. No, what it means is levait, as a wife. It was like a companion, and that's why it's a perfect mashal, because the idea is that he took the wife of the poor guy, um, instead of having any other woman that he could have had uh, to his liking. And so it says, uh, so to hear levait, it means, um, that Mordechai married Esther. It said that she had seven girls who attended to her. That's how she took, kept track of what they was Shabbat because she had one one girl who worked for her on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. When the Shabbat one came, she knew that was Shabbat. And they changed um, her, the uh, girls uh, and uh, and the Narot. Uh, it says that they changed her situation and they changed... Um, they moved her and her attendants to the best situation in the Beit Hanashim. What does that mean? What it means that they gave her a good situation is that they gave her kosher food. What means that they gave her bacon, Rashi says. Now Rashi says it means they gave her bacon. In other words, it wasn't good from her perspective, meaning that they liked her so much that they gave her what was good from their perspective. So according to Rashi, it means that she actually ate the bacon and that she had no choice. She had to do it. Tosfot says, no chas v'chalila. They offered it to her, but she didn't actually eat it. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Zeronim. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, what it means is that they gave her vegan food. They gave her vegetables. Like in the case of Daniel, that it says that the waiter, when they didn't want to eat the food of the king because it was not kosher, so it says that they would take away the pat bagam, they would take away the non-kosher stuff, and they gave and gave them uh, seeds or vegetables that they could eat. She spent the girls who would go to meet with Achash Ve'Osh would spend six months in Shemen Amor. My Shemen Amor, what's Shemen Amor? Rabbi Chiyah Barab Amar Satach. It's talking about balsam oil. Rav Huna Amar Shemen Zayit or Avi Shalish. According to Rav Huna, it is olive oil that from olives that did not reach a third of their growth. This type of oil is supposed to be good for the skin. Obviously, the idea is that they prepared themselves for six months, uh, actually a whole year. It says they spent a whole year preparing for their date with the king. So they said, there was a Greek term for this uh, type of shemen uh, uh which is this, uh, the olives that are underripe, that they would make an, they would put it on the, on the flesh and it was called an pikinon in Greek. Why do you put it on the skin? Because it, it removes hair from the skin and also makes the flesh shiny, makes the skin shiny and smooth. So girl after girl would come to be with Achashverosh for the night until he finally chose Esther. From the despicableness or the, um, from the uh, dishonor of this person, of Achashverosh, uh, we learn his um, his praise. That he never had relations during the day. In other words, the dates that he had with these girls were always at night. 
Everybody thought she was from their nation. In other words, the people from well, every country thought she was one of theirs. Like today, you'll have celebrity that, oh, the Jewish people think she's Jewish, and the Italian people think she's Italian, and the Spanish think that she's Spanish, and so on and so forth. That helped her become popular, because she didn't seem like she was definitely associated with any one group. She was taken in the 10th month, which is the month of Tevin, in the winter. Yeah, right? Which means that it was uh, <coughs> it was Yerach Shenena Guf Menaguf. That is the month that uh, that the body finds pleasure in being next to another body. In other words, specifically, it's trying to show that Hashem made it happen that she was brought to the king in the winter months where you enjoy the closeness of another body the most and therefore he was going to appreciate her the most. The king loved Esther more than all of the women. And she found favor in his eyes more than any of the um, virgins. If he wanted to taste the taste of a virgin, he would taste it. If he wanted to taste the taste of a, an experienced woman, he would taste it. In other words, meaning to say that whatever fantasies he had, romantic or sensual desires he had, were fulfilled in Esther, and that's why he loved her. After he decided to choose her, he made a huge party. He was, according to the Chazal, he was desperate to try to get Esther to reveal her true identity, her ethnic background, and she wouldn't do it. So he made a big party, and she still didn't reveal it. He even lowered the taxes. Um, he said, for Esther, I'm going to lower uh, taxes. Um, but, and, and he wanted to honor her, and it would give great honor to her point, her place of origin, and she wouldn't reveal it. He sent gifts to other kingdoms in her name, and she still wouldn't reveal it. And then they had an after party where all the girls who had gone through the contest originally, even those who were not chosen, got together too. Actually, Achashverosh asked Mordechai for some advice. He said, what should I do to get this girl to tell me what her background is? A woman only gets jealous from the thigh of her neighbor, meaning if, if you show interest in these other girls again, she's going to get nervous and maybe she'll think in order to convince you to stay with her that she'll reveal the truth and it didn't work. And she still didn't reveal it. Because says she didn't tell her birthplace even then. And that explains, the, and the Chazal are explaining the connection in the Pasuk between the party that Achashverosh made and the fact that Esther would not tell of her origin by saying that the whole reason for the party that he made was to try to convince her to place pressure upon her to uh, reveal her identity. What does the Pasuk mean when it says, Hashem does not take his eye away from the Tzadik? What does that mean? Because of the modesty of Rachel, Shaul. Shaul descended from her because Shaul came from Binyamin. The king Shaul came from Shevet Binyamin, which came from Achil. And because of the modesty of Shaul, that's why one of his descendants was Esther. What was the modesty of Achil? Because Yaakov told Achil when he first met her that he was the brother of her father. He's not the brother of her father. He's the nephew of her father. Ela Marlai said to Minsavati, marry me. Amralish said to him, In sure, Abaramahu. But you have to be careful. My father is very tricky. You will never be able to work around him. Amarla. So Yaakov said to her, Achiv Anibaramaut, I'm just as good of a trickster as your father, don't worry. Amralay. She said to him, Are you really allowed to conduct? You're a tzaddik. My father is a bad guy, but you're a tzaddik. Can a tzaddik like you act in a 
in an underhanded way. He said, yes, it says about Hashem, that with those who are pure, he deals purely. But with those who are twisted, with those who are corrupt, he deals in a corrupt way. So I can do that also. He said to her, what kind of trick is he going to play? She said to him, I have an older sister, that's Leah. He's not going to allow me to be married before her. So so therefore, he gave her some code and said, look, if he gives me the wrong woman, I'll look for the password. She won't know what the simanim are. She won't know what the secret signs are. And, uh, and, and I'll know it's not her. I'll know it's not you, I mean. I'll know it's somebody else. When it came to the wedding night, but when the wedding night came, Achil said, how can I embarrass my sister? She's going to be there on the wedding night with Yaakov and he's going to realize it's not really her, it's not really me because she's not going to know the signs. She didn't want to embarrass her. So therefore she gave over the signs to Leah. That's why it says it was only in the morning that Yaakov realized that he had been with Leah. Which means that until then it wasn't really Leah. So, right, that's the implication. It says in the morning it was Leah. What do you mean? The nighttime wasn't Leah. But meaning because of the signs that Rachel gave to Leah. Therefore, he didn't know until the morning that it was really Leah. And therefore, she had the zechut that Yatsamimena Shaul, that Shaul came from her. And what was the modesty of Shaul? Even after Asher Amang Shemuel, even after he met Shemuel and Shemuel told him that he was going to be the king of Israel, he didn't tell his family, he kept it a secret, he waited till the time that Shemuel would reveal it, he never told anybody. Alright, so, um, Zacha, Viyatat Menu Esther, and therefore he had Esther, um, and, uh, and the uh, the Bach says on the side here that it should say then Esther um, Mahi Dichtiv En Esther Magedet that shows that Esther did not tell her true origin. When Hashem gives greatness to a person, He gives it to His children, His children's children until the end of all generations. As it says in the pasuk. And it should say, if this is lo yigram mitzadik enav, Hashem does not take his eyes away from the tzadik. And then at the end of the pasuk, it says, vayoshivem lanetzach vayigbau. And the, this is a pasuk in Iov. And the pasuk says, it, it talks about how Hashem places vet melachim lakisei, that he places the uh, kings on their throne. Vayoshivem lanetzach vayigbau. Ve'im asurim bazikim. The next pasuk says, if they are in chains, then it shows you uh, that um, uh, that oni. So the understanding of the pasuk is vayigbau. If they raise themselves up, if they become arrogant, then Hashem lowers them again, right? But in, but otherwise, it's at sof kol adorot. It's vayoshivem lenetzach. That's why the next pasuk says after vaygbau. In other words, he raises them up. That's true. Lanetzach even forever. But if they become arrogant, then the vaygbau leads to vimasurim bazikim. They end up being in chains. They end up being lowered again. Says that Esther did the bidding of Mordechai. She still showed her nida blood the, when she would have her time of the month to the chachamim to see if she was in nida or not. Even though she was living with Achashverosh, Kasher Aita Abu Umnaito, like she was when she was being taken care of by him. Amar Abba Barlema, Shaita Umet Mechalgosh Achashverosh. She would get up from the chest of Achashverosh, Vetovelet, and she would go to the Mikveh, 
v'yoshevet v'chakosher Mordechai, and she would return to the uh, side of Mordechai. In other words, she would she was having a double life. But uh, Rashi says she wasn't going to the mikveh for purity reasons, because obviously there was no way to purify herself from adultery that she's, uh, you know, she's with a different man than her husband, according to the Chazal that she was married to Mordechai. But it means that she, it was just because of the disgustingness of it, she would, uh, uh, it would be disgusting to Mordechai to be with a woman who had been with Arash so she cleansed herself in between. In those days, Mordechai sat at the gate of the king, and we know that Bigdan and Teresh plot to murder the king, and um, and Mordechai discovers it and reports it. One time, Hashem made a master angry at his servants in order to fulfill the will of a tzaddik, to help a tzaddik, and that's the story of Yosef, because we see that the the butler and the baker of the Paro were ended up being placed in the prison, which enabled... Uh, Yosef to interpret their dream, re- be recognized for his greatness, and eventually be saved from jail. Avadim al and there was a time where Hashem made servants angry at their master. Lasot gam la tzadik, to make a miracle for a tzadik. Umanu Mordechai, who was that? That was Mordechai. Dichtiv vayivadav davar Mordechai, because Mordechai discovered the plot, called them out on it, and uh, ended up because of that being elevated to greatness later on. According to Rashi, I mean, sorry, according to the Gra, these words, doesn't belong here because it's not really part of what's necessary for understanding the flow of the Gemara. comes later. They were two people from Tarsi'im. That was their ethnic background, said Rabbi Yochanan. They were speaking in the Tursi language. They said, from the day that this woman came, meaning our eyes have not seen any sleep. In other words, because the king likes being with her so much, he's constantly calling for her and he's constantly also thirsty and hungry and putting so much burden on us. So, Bo, Vinatil Erez, Sefer. Let's put some poison in his bowl. And Mordechai, of course, was always sitting by the gate of the king and they're talking in a language that they assume nobody around them understands. But Mordechai knew because he was he was one of the members of the Sanhedrin. He knew 70 languages. Right, so that one said to the other, Bigtan and Teresh are talking, one said to the other, We don't have the same watch, we don't have the same shift. So he said, I will cover mine and yours, and that way we'll be able, the other one, whoever is not on duty, will be able to go and pull off this assassination plot against Achashverosh. That was the idea that... Uh, you know, one person, they, that he would cover both jobs. Like, look, I'll cover your job and my job. And the, the one who was free would go poison the king. Right? And so that's how they were able to find them out. Because, uh, how did they foil the plot? Because they realized, because not, both of them were not in their proper jobs. One of them was covering two jobs, and the other guy was missing, and they realized that he was actually going to assassinate the king, exactly as Mordechai had uh, reported. After these matters, uh, that uh, Mordechai had foiled the assassination plot against Chashvosh. Uh, what does it mean? After what? After Hashem made the healing for the for the damage. In other words, after Hashem already provided the solution, because now Mordechai is positioned to be, to rise to greatness. Now Haman can rise to greatness because there's already a solution in place. Because Rishlakish said Hashem does not strike Israel unless he first prepares for them the solution. As it says in the Pasuk, and this Pasuk is, try, gives us an idea that healing precedes the strike. That's the, um, 
That's the concept that uh, Hashem is not going to strike us unless the means to salvation and to healing are already there. Because it says, When I heal Israel and the sin of Ephraim is revealed. So the sin of Ephraim is revealed. What does that mean? It means I first have the healing in place, then I reveal the sin, meaning then I bring the punishment. But when it comes to the nations of the world, it's not like that. Hashem will first strike them and then make the healing for them. Because it says Hashem will strike Egypt, a strike and then a healing. In other words, He will heal them, but only after they've been uh, experienced the strike. Although it says that Haman, it was lowly in the eyes of Haman to strike only Mordechai. Mordechai, First, he wanted to get rid of Mordechai himself. And then, the people of Mordechai, Umanu, and who's that? Rabbanan, the rabbis, because Mordechai is associated with the rabbis. And then he wanted to get all of the Jews. And that's why it says, That's the Pasuk. He, he was, it was too lowly, it was too, too petty for him to just strike Mordechai, because they had told him the people of Mordechai, meaning the rabbis. And then it says he wanted to attack all the Jews, which is even further, not just all the rabbis, but all the Jews. He he made a lottery. When the lottery came out in the month of Adar, Samach Simcha Gdola. Haman was very happy. He said, very lucky because the, uh, the lottery came out in the month that Moshe died. It's true that Moshe Rabbeinu died during Adar, but he was also born during Adar, so there's no way that it has any significance either way as a lucky or unlucky time. When, when Haman tries to sell the idea of destroying the Jewish people to Achashvosh, she says, there's a certain nation, nobody is as good at Lashon Hara, at evil speech, like Haman. So he said to Achashvosh, let's destroy these people. Achashverosh said, listen, I don't want to destroy these people because I'm afraid of their God that he not do against me what he's done to other people in the past. He takes the word yashno, there is a nation, and he takes it to yashno, they were sleeping, meaning they're not keeping the mitzvot anyway, so Hashem's not going to advocate for them. Hashem's not going to protect them. But Achashverosh said, what about the rabbis? Ahaman said, don't worry, they're all one nation. So even if the rabbis are good, they won't be spared if the people are bad. Maybe you'll say, I'm making a bold spot in your nation and your kingdom because all the Jews will be destroyed. Don't worry, they're spread out through the whole kingdom. Nobody will notice they're gone. Maybe you'll say there's some benefit we get from these people. No, They're all spread out. They're all broken up. Just like a mule. They're taking the word mifurad to mean like a mule that doesn't, is not able to have children, meaning they're not producing anything valuable. Don't worry. Maybe say there's one entire state or province made up of Jews. No, they're in every one of your kingdoms. So, uh, so you don't have to worry that they're going to specifically damage or uh, an, a, a huge part of your kingdom. They're not going to. And we're not, we don't have anything to lose from them either. What does it mean their, their religion is different from every nation? They will not eat our food. And they won't marry us. Uh, uh, and uh, in other words, they will not uh, they will not let us marry their daughters, and they will not marry us to their daughters. They don't do the laws of the king. What does that mean? It says Shabbat Pesachayom. Shabbat Pesachayom. 
that the uh, very common anti-Semitic trope in those days was that the Jews were lazy. They would say, I can't work. It's Shabbat. They can't do it. It's Pesach. It's a holiday. It's this, that they have so many holidays, so many Shabbatot every week that they can't work, that it, they were viewed as lazy. And in fact, that's something that Josephus also reports that the Romans would say about the Jews, that they always would claim exemptions because of uh, religious observances when they couldn't work. So uh, he says that, that they're not helping the king. They don't follow his rules. They always have an excuse. There is no benefit for the king to keep them around. Because they eat and drink and they insult the king. And even if a fly falls into the cup of one of these Jews, he throws it away and then he'll drink the cup. But if my master the king will touch the cup of one of these people, he'll throw it on the ground and he won't drink from it. In other words, if a fly falls into his drink... He'll throw the fly away and drink it. But if you touch it, my great king, he will throw that cup away. He will never touch it. So that shows you that he has, they have a uh, disdain for you, Achashverosh, and they do not deserve to be a part of our kingdom.